0: Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and there were some controversial comments from Tom Thibodeau today, Alex.
1: Yeah, he's not waiting long to get that going. Uh, We're going to talk about whether Evan Fournier is the presumed starter for the shooting guard spot for the Knicks, whether putting uh, the idea out there of Obi Toppin and Julius Randle playing together is, quote, fantasy basketball. And also, we'll get into our player previews in our final segment, talk about the few uh, end-of-roster guys and what we want out of that final roster spot. That's all coming up next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Ewing for the win! Yes! Up, Huff left! Now fires it! He's good! And he's fouled! Huff! He and he's he out! Anthony for three! Fire! That one goes down! Back up off the glass! It's good! RJ Becomes infectious! Becomes infectious!
0: You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. and wanted to thank you for making watch on there. Oh, you got a visitor, Alex.
1: <laughs> big Knicks fan? <laughs> I got a, I got a big cat visitor today. Just decided to see him. So there he goes. He's gone. All right. YouTube special content right there. Yeah. Well, that that's why you got to listen on all platforms. We now are available on all platforms. And you're if you're a big
0: fan, like Alex's cats are. Um. Then you know what that cat's uh,
1: name is is Obi too. Although it's not after Obi Toppin, it's after Obi Wan. But you know. <laughs> well you got
0: you got to tell him to stop playing fantasy basketball he's not allowed to participate in the podcast maybe in fantasy world he could but in the real world he can't um and that is a great place for us to start but first i have Kevin shaw a play-by-play broadcaster he is alex wolf editor-in-chief of the strickland the greatest knicks website out there in the whole wide world you can check them out on all forms of social media at the strict and, and yeah tibbs uh tibbs talk today um there's some good stuff said there's some not so good stuff said um before we get into that Obi top and stuff the Bigger thing to come out today was Tibb saying that Evan Fournier, at least at this juncture, was the presumptive favorite to start at shooting guard, Alex. And my first instinct, a lot of other people's first instinct, well, he's saying this, so, so Quentin Grimes, quote unquote, has to earn it. And then I thought about that a little bit longer, and I was like, well, um, the only other situation I could think of in recent sports where a coach tried to do that when the younger player was – um, I'm not going to say obviously better, but I'll say obviously more complete and obviously a better fit in the starting lineup than the, the older incubate was uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars a year ago, where they tried to make uh, Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew compete for the starting job. And that was under the guidance of Urban Meyer, who is just about the worst head coach in recent NFL history, maybe the, the, the worst uh, coach in recent professional sports history. So not a good precedent sent by Tibbs. If that is the incentive, the issue with Tom Thibodeau is I really believe he would do it. So Alex, I'll, I'll just let you take it from there.
1: I mean, there's no reason to believe he's not going to do it. It's really frustrating that he couldn't even give us a minute of hoping <laughs> You know, prior to just crushing everybody's dreams, but it almost feels like he's doing it out of spite at this point. Like, because of the comments that he makes, you know that he's in some way, shape, or form keeping up with the discourse around the team. Like, last year, he seemed very, very upset at the general, like, blogging and podcasting and whatever community with his comments of, like, well, you guys don't watch the games three times, blah, 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 all this other crap. And, you know, it, it I don't, I'm not saying that he's making this lineup decision out of spite, but I think that he definitely came out that strong. And it, the next comment that we're going to talk about, talk about in the next segment, uh, it's definitely – I mean, he, he's he got a very condescending way about him, and he's got a very, like, I'm right, you're wrong, and I know it uh, mentality about him. And that kind of always shows through. It showed through with Alfred Payton. It showed through with, uh, you know, Kemba Walker last year, with Alec Burks, you know, with – Evan Fournier to a degree last year. There was times where you could—I mean, Evan did his job well, and you know he obviously he set the Knicks' three-point record. Uh, but you know, like there was there was a real case that Quentin Grimes was a better fit on the court, or even Emmanuel Quickly for large swaths of last season as potentially the starting shooting guard. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, I wish I could say I was surprised, but I would I would be less surprised if you know Tibbs had his mind fully made up right now that Fournier was already going to be the starter after three seconds of training camp Uh, more so than I would be, you know, like, I just don't, I don't think that it's the case that he actually went into this with like a good faith competition uh, as the idea here. I think that he went into this with like thinking, no, like Fournier is going to start and we're going to pretty much do, I mean, we got Brunson obviously, so he'll slot into that Kemba spot, but Otherwise, why would we change up what we did last year? Everything went so well, you know. I just, at least in his mind, it did. So I don't know. It's frustrating, to say the least. But I'm not surprised. I guess is is my main takeaway from that comment. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I, um, Ian Begley in in, in the piece he wrote today uh, suggested that it might not be true. Or no, well, that's not. That's not really what he said. He said there, there's essentially there's reason to hope that this is still very much an open battle, and the only I'm not even going to phrase it that way. I think the logic behind this is almost that uh, that Tibbs was presenting in this press conference is that uh, Evan Fournier is such a better shooter than Quentin Grimes that whatever gap exists between them defensively is not significant enough to warrant starting Grimes over Fournier. Um, But you look at the numbers that uh, doesn't really hold up. Grimes last year per 36 minutes shot 38% from three on 8.7 attempts per game. Evan Fournier shot 39% from three on 9.5 attempts per 36 minutes. Um, Given that Grimes is a dramatically better defender. And honestly, in defense of Evan Fournier, this is a guy who has been a 20-plus point-per-game scorer. Um, in multiple NBA seasons, his ability to handle the ball and make plays off the dribble, even if that's an area that Grimes has improved, I would still give Evan the advantage in that capacity. I would still say Evan is likely to be a better offensive player this year. But to me, those are all arguments to playing him with the bench where you're going to need that offensive pop more, where in the starting lineup, I mean, he's at best the fourth option, right? He's going to be behind Jalen Brunson. He's going to be behind RJ Barrett. He's going to be behind Julius Randle. And we had those those few games last year where he, he just shot the the uh, I, what are what are basketballs made out of leather? Um, he shot the leather off the basketball. Yes, um, they are <laughs> great. Okay, that's good. I should know that given that I've hosted a basketball podcast for you. Um, but he 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 was incredible. Um, for specific games, and there were other games where he didn't really get his touches early. Never really got a chance to get going. And Evan actually admitted in a press conference today he said. I let that affect me defensively, and I'm I'm not going to do that this year, and and that's great. But Evan playing up to his highest defensive potential is, is not as good on Grimes, not as good as Grimes on his worst day, on that end of the floor. So to me, it 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 doesn't really make any sense. I'm I'm holding out a bit of hope that this is again not not a final decision, not necessarily where we're to see. But if, if if Tibbs is still putting out that kind of old school BS, is like, oh well, we're going to start the vet, and then if Grimes really earns it throughout the season by far and away out playing him then I don't know That just that's the definition of insanity to me
1: yeah I'm I'm right there with you I mean I think that ultimately it's just gonna come down to like this I think is gonna reflect on the front office in some ways too if they're you know if they're talking about youth movement and everything else and being so happy you know Leon Rose like a few days ago talking about being so happy with the young players and excited for the season and everything else and all this reporting over the summer about Tibbs regretting not playing these guys more and all this stuff. And then to just go in and be like, yeah, we'll just do the same thing. You know, like Fournier could just start. He'll play like 30 minutes again. Grimes can work his way into the rotation exactly the same way he did as a rookie, even though he showed so much promise as a rookie and allegedly was the, the sticking point or one of the main sticking points in potentially acquiring like a multi-time all-star, uh, I don't know. It just, it would, it would start the season off on a sour note, to be honest. I'm not even saying that Tibbs has to start Quentin Grimes for that to be the case, you know, for, for like some goodwill to be earned there, but it's just the, and I mean, again, you know, we can, we could take a break in a second and get into a second comment, but it's like the overall flippancy that he's showing towards any idea of change. And it's like, So why did they keep him then? You know, if they were obviously, they well, I can't even say obviously, they should have been, the front office should have been dissatisfied with his performance last year. Um, You know, I I don't think that he did a good job adjusting as the season went on. He sort of had like the bizarro version of the 20 to 21 season in some ways where he stuck to his guns and did all of his his hard-headed stuff. But didn't have a player having an all-NBA season to sort of bail him out of that and, you know, mask Tibbs' flaws as a coach. And, you know, so now we go into this season and it's like, all right, well, seems like you should probably do something different now. And it seems like the plan is to mostly do things the same. And I think that's the most disappointing part of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, You want to you tell us a little bit about maybe – I know one way I'd be happier, some more money in my life. How how can I make some money, Alex?
1: Uh, Well, money is always good, and that is where betonline.net comes in. Betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season and basketball, of course. Basketball's coming up. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check out on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And I think I mentioned this on our last show, but I'll mention it again. The Knicks, as of right now, uh, in, the, in the running for making the playoffs, uh, are actually, I don't know, you know, on our last show, I said... Huh, maybe I believe in the Knicks after media day. And I would take the plus 155 for yes the Knicks will make the playoffs. But you know what? Maybe I'll go minus 190. No, the Knicks will not make the playoffs. If they're starting Evan Fournier and Tibbs is not willing to change what he's doing. So, you decide. It's your your uh, choose your own adventure there. As far as what you want to what you want to bet on, but definitely had to bet online to do so. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Gavin, we are moving to our next segment. And uh, we are going to be talking about another comment that Tibbs made. And I, I don't even have the full quote in front of me because it's not really that important. Uh, the, the The money shot is there, which I will just say right now. He was asked about Obi Toppin playing with Julius Randle, if that's something that he would be more open to this season. And more or less said, like, well, this isn't fantasy basketball. So, you know. I'm gonna do what's gonna make the team work the best, blah, blah, blah. But this is a fantasy basketball. You can't just like pair guys together and just hope it works or whatever. It was more or less the gist of his quote. Um, yeah, I'm thoroughly uh unimpressed with that reasoning because I I feel like it's just him sort of blatantly spitting in the face of advanced stats and stuff like that, that for the like 15 minutes that he's allowed Julius Randall and Obi Toppin to play together over Obi's first two years. Obi's actually done quite well. And the two of them have actually done quite well together, including, you know, our much fabled season opener last year, where they, they got to play some minutes because Mitch was the only healthy true center on the roster at that moment and was working himself back into shape. Otherwise, I'm fairly certain Tibbs would have just played Mitch for 48 minutes plus overtime. But considering Mitch like was getting winded and could only play like 30 minutes thanks to getting his conditioning back. He was kind of forced to play Obi and Randall together and it worked great. And they ran a bunch and they were, you know, Obie was getting down the floor and, you know, they're hitting each other with outlet passes and yada, yada, yada. And, and then to stopped playing them ever again uh, together. So Gavin, just another thing. I mean, I, I, at risk of us beating the dead horse here, like, what do these comments say to you? Like, I what do you, I guess maybe what do you think is more worrisome—the Fournier thing or the the Ob not getting minutes at the five thing? Because each one of those, or I guess you could say the four or five, just being in a small lineup. Because both of these quotes and both of these statements by Tibbs are effectively him saying things aren't going to change. I'm still going to bury at least two of your favorite young players in Quentin Grimes and Ob Toppin, and that. Again, is already ruffling my feathers. One day in the training camp, <laughs> yeah, it's really, really a pain. Olympics, it's like, yeah, you, you, want, you want your leg cut off, you want your arm cut off. Uh, which, which, which
0: one are you feeling today? i like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'd like to, like to walk around with all my limbs. Top Tibb though, if that's, if that's okay. Um, I maybe the Fournier one slightly, just because I, I think I had a an expectation that Quinn Grimes, if, if nothing else, was going to be the star in two guard, and he would be the one young guy who got minutes. I didn't really, and I, I don't really expect Tibbs to consider changing his mind on this because as as we've always we've always said the 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 core of his identity as a coach is that he will have a a a penetrating point guard on offense and he will have rim protection on defense and he doesn't think of Obi that way he doesn't think of julius that way and it would require him uh changing a lot about how the knicks play defense and i i don't think I, i if you're gonna have one of those two in there at center you would go away from the drop scheme that he favors that Mitchell Robinson has, has gotten so good at. And you would do something a little bit closer, I think, to what the Minnesota Timberwolves did last season at points, which was uh, very, very aggressively blitzing the ball off of pick and rolls and, and playing just – it, it would be like the the NBA equivalent of an NFL team that just oh, – kind of what Wink Martindale is doing on the Giants that just – Blitzes on every down. I don't know why I really have football in the mind. That's my second uh, NFL comparison if are not making one for four months. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and that worked for Minnesota for most of the year pretty well. Like they, they were, um, I would say, largely outplaying their talent on defense. And then it, it kind of caught up to them in the playoffs and, and teams were – I mean Memphis was the team – was able to really pick them apart. The difference is we're not saying play Randall and Obi for 40 minutes a game together – we're saying make it a look for I don't know four to six to eight minutes a night. See how it does, and if if, if it's sustainable and it, it's working well, you do that. But the whole point is to to get your best players on the floor. And I, I know uh, what what Tibbs kept going back to today with that quote unquote fantasy basketball comment was like it's not about individual statistics. It, it's about can the team win? And to some extent, I get. I I think I think I understand. Uh, as much as you can understand his mind, I I think I understand his mind and and where he's coming from. And it's, it's his premise of like all you out there watching the game. You just want to see offense. You want to see fireworks. You're not taking into account that the only reason we were in some of these games the last two years is because we had an elite defense for all of 2021. And, and again, they had an elite defense post all-star break last year. That was the key. But I, I think that's underestimating again, with some schematic flexibility that you could, um, at least tread water defensively in, in the minutes with those guys, especially if you pair them with an Emmanuel quickly, a Quinton Grimes and RJ Barrett players that can fly around at the other spots and, and provide some rim protection at smaller positions. You can make that work. And, and to your point, Alex, offensively, it, it's a no brainer because you get so much more skill on the floor and, and you, you make Julius Randall's life dramatically easier, not having to play with, with a big that is always around the rim. Um, so I've gotten on long enough, but to me, it's, it, it's absurd to, say out of hand um especially in the fashion that he does that that this is impossible it's only impossible if you're only willing to play one way and that, that's that's basically what we've seen from Tom Thibodeau as the head coach of the Knicks so far
1: yeah and and the other thing too is that it just shows a fundamental lack of understanding of modern basketball by him in many ways too and i mean i know i'm sure there'll be someone in our youtube comments so i'm being like tom thibodeau has forgotten more basketball than you've ever known and like sure that's probably the case for a lot of things but Modern basketball, you play some minutes small to try to take advantage of the inefficiencies that present themselves there. Where, like, you know, if there's a, if you're playing small and you have guys out there that can all blitz down the court, then you give up a few more points on the defensive end, but you're hopefully you hopefully, I mean, if Tibbs is a defensive mastermind, which I, I do legitimately think that he is a one of the best defensive minds like ever in basketball, period, like you have to then be able to say, okay, as one of the best defensive minds of basketball, can I work out a system where for five to eight minutes a game, Julius Randle and Obi Toppin can be successful on defense enough that they're not going to give up so many extra points that you know, makes it a wash for all the extra points we should get on offense for just being able to get out and run. But that's the other thing too, is that tips doesn't actively encourage the team getting out and run, you know, it, getting out and running, I should say he, he doesn't want them to do that. He wants them to bring it up the floor, slowly set up a half court offense, have Julius Randall handle the ball and ISO his way through like 17 seconds of shot clock. And then eventually find, maybe find someone for a three or put up a shot of his own. Like that's, like an ideal possession for Tibbs. And that's part of the problem, you know, is that he doesn't see, not only does he see the deficiencies of the, of like a, uh, a defense that, you know, doesn't have a rim protector, but he fails to see the efficiencies that are presented by a, a fast running small ball offense. And that's why he views that style of basketball as untenable. And like, But every team in the NBA, or I should say like pretty much every successful team, runs some version of a small ball lineup for a few minutes a game. And Tibbs is one of the only holdouts that doesn't do that at all. And so we'll see how that ultimately treats the Knicks this coming year. But much like we said with the Fournier thing, I think we already know the answer. It's going to treat them exactly the same because that's you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. You're just going to get the same results and starting effectively the same lineup, uh, except for having Brunson out there who I guess, you know, definitely a defensive upgrade on Kemba, but maybe a wash with Burks, but then probably not entrusting him to like actually run the offense as much as he should. It, you're, you're probably just going to end up with the same scenario where it's just going to be Julius Randall running this offense and, everything being as miserable as it was that it's most miserable last year in all likelihood, unless some things change. So I don't know. I feel very pessimistic at the moment, but it was pessimistic style comments by Tibbs, at least from the perspective of people that watch this team and want to see improvement or want to see the, the younger players get playing time. Because not only would that signal that the Knicks are valuing those players, but it would also signal that they value winning is every single metric and every single eye test tells you that those players led more to winning last year than any of the incumbents that Tibbs seems to like more it's just it's frustrating so i don't know that's pretty much where we're at to quote
0: the immortal mike woodson the east is big man that's that that's the logic from that was flawed a decade ago that uh that Tibbs is uh Still caring to some extent, anyways. Uh, let's let's step aside. Let's take one final break and start on excited to to be back in this. I mean, basketball is coming very soon. Our player previews. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some guys on the back end of the roster next on Locked On Knicks. All right, we are back on Locked On Knicks third and. Final segment, uh, we wanted to remind you guys real quick, because we, we don't. We used to say this all the time, but we don't say this enough. If you are a local business and you would like to advertise on Locked on Knicks, all you have to do is shoot us an email at lockedonknicks at gmail.com. Uh, and you get to you get to correspond with us. Isn't, isn't that great? A real a real honor. Normally you'd have to pay a couple hundred bucks on Cameo. Now you just have to pay us money to talk about your business. Even even more fun. Uh, but hey, Alex, you're
1: telling me you were getting paid a couple hundred bucks? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I got I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go.
0: Um, all right. Uh, let's let, let's let's wrap this up with uh, I three guys. I I chose to focus on with apologies to uh, Jalen Harris and Dequan Jeffries. It's, it's purely purely my own bias and that I know less about those guys, but, for this final spot on the roster, I chose to highlight, um, you can mention, you can throw Trevor Keels in here too. So let's, let's just say four players. So the final spot on the roster, uh, Svima Ryan, Archie and, uh, Farron Hunt and Trevor Keels. So Alex, the way I want to look at this, we can, we can talk about all these guys. They all sort of have their pros and cons, but what kind of player, like, like what mold of player, what archetype do you want on the back end of the Knicks roster?
1: Well, I think with Keels, I mean I still have a lot of concerns about him from Summer League. Like he's very much not an NBA ready product right now. Like he needs to work on a lot. He needs to work on his body, he needs to work on his explosiveness, he needs to work on his shooting, he needs to work on pretty much everything if I'm being completely honest. Like he flashed one or two things, but he, the flashes were even few and far between in Summer League, which is pretty concerning. Like even even guys with a lot of issues can still sometimes flash a uh, you know some really good stuff in summer league and i felt like there was very few and far between the keels. i think i would feel most comfortable with him still staying on the two-way spot rather than moving up to the the last spot on the main roster i i think for me it would probably come down i archie diacono is fine uh, maybe if you want to bring him on just to you know make brunson happy and give him like one of his best friends on the team you know, whatever. It's like the 15th spot on the, on the main roster. It's not the end of the world if you do that. But I, I think I would probably lean towards one of the other two, either Luke or, or Hunt. I, I think honestly, I would probably lean more towards Hunt as of right now. Uh, I, re- speaking of summer league flashes, like I really liked what we saw out of him in summer league. And I think that he's a versatile player. I think that, you know, he has his struggles offensively, but he's a guy that gets out in transition and, uh, can really do some damage there. Uh, he seems to have pretty decent finishing ability, like decent to good. Uh, and then his defensive ability, I thought really popped in summer league, like being able to play passing lanes with that long wingspan, uh, you know, generate like fast break opportunities with that. He had a couple really, really great games in summer league, including, I think at least one, maybe two, where he led the Knicks in scoring. Um, so, you know, it's I, I think he made a really good case for himself. Like if you want to sort of continue what the Knicks have done in recent years and really reward guys for doing good stuff, uh, unless you're the head coach, um, you know, it, contractually, they've done a good job of, of doing that. I think you give it to Farron Hunt and just say, hey, we appreciate what you've did, what you've done for the team and all that good stuff. Although if he still is eligible for a two way. The the restrictions are still very light on two way players or they're lighter than they used to be now. Uh so maybe you just say, eh, I'll just do the, we'll just do the two way deal and we'll call it a day. Uh, because that that'll work out better for us financially and everything. And then you can give that spot to Luke. I like Luke too, a good shooter, but I, I think that he's sort of heading down a path where he's I, I I'm starting to wonder how much more room he has left to like pop. You know, it, like, or is he just a guy that's just going to be on the very end of your bench as like a three-point shooter, which is fine. Both guys kind of have utility, but I feel like if you were running into a situation where somewhere down the line in the season you had like really bad injury woes or something like on the wing or even at the four, and you really needed someone to step in, I think Farron Hunt's a better fit because of that defensive ability, and and so I'd probably go with him over uh, Mikhailuk at this point.
0: Yeah, I've I've similar logic. He he's just a little bit more exciting to me. I mean, look look, Makai Luke is is far and away the most proven NBA player out of this group. The guy has played. Uh, let me let me count of real quick. Uh, one, two, three, four full seasons of of NBA basketball, which is is, is more than more than any of these guys can say, and, and is pretty consistently um, throughout those years. I mean, look, 42 games, 56 games, 66 games, 56 games. He, he's been a rotation player that whole time. Um, he had a monster season for Detroit that I think I think has kept him in the NBA these last two years in, in 2019-20, um, where he shot 40% from three, taking five of them per game. Uh, last season for the Toronto Raptors, averaged 13 minutes per game over 56 games and five starts with the Raps. I don't know why in my mind, I've always thought of him as a smaller guy, but he is... 6'8", uh, maybe part of that is he's he's essentially a T-Rex. He only has a 6'5 wingspan, which is, is one of the one of the larger m- negative wingspans I've seen in the NBA. Um, he's 39% from the field last year, just 31% from three. So last season, the, the shooting was more uh, theoretical than practical. While for Ron Hunt, um, I'm in the same camp as you, Alex. He really, really impressed me in summer league. Uh, looked to step above everyone else athletically. The question to me is how much does that athleticism advantage translate to um, the NBA win from a skill perspective? He's someone who I think still has a lot of work and a lot of developing to do. The jump shot uh, certainly looked better to me in summer league, even if it was pretty slow and his form wasn't picturesque than it did um, from the, or at least like what I'd heard about it or like the few times we saw him shoot in the regular season last year. But I'm, I'm with you. Um, you, already, you obviously have Evan Fournier, you have Quentin Grimes, to be your shooters, to me, Hunt is kind of a more unique type of player where, where maybe like Cam Reddish or, or some to some extent RJ Barrett are the players in that mold. But the Knicks really are at a dearth of just long, hyper-athletic wings, which is why you and I were, were very into someone like Tari Eason or Dyson Daniels for the Knicks in the draft. Not that Hunt is that caliber of talent, but he, prevent, he presents excuse me, some of that same athleticism with a whole lot of height. Uh, that, to me, is really interesting. And and if I'm if I'm looking at one of those guys as, as sort of like the developmental project to invest in, I, I think it's pretty clearly Hunt.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's basically where I fall too. I, I do think, though, depending on Hunt's availability, uh, as far as being able to be on a two-way deal, uh, that you could maybe have your cake and eat it too. Keep that shooting of yeah. Mikhailuk on the roster and and then just sign Hunt to the other two-way. The other thing that I would present, though, is that I would still, I mean, even though he also had a shaky summer league, I would maybe be more inclined to sign Montero to the second two-way deal. Gene Montero, or Jan Montero, sorry, uh, is how I believe it's actually pronounced. But uh, sign him to the to the second two-way deal just because like he's a rookie and is super young. And it would be more intriguing to throw him in Westchester and see what he can do than Hunt. Uh, Which Hunt, you could still move down to Westchester for bits, but also you just keep him with the main roster more. I'm sure he's a great player to have in practice. Like to have a guy that's that rangy and that multi talented, you know, defending guys, I I think is probably about as good of a practice. Like you could reasonably put the, you know, put whatever the opposing, you know, penny on him at practice and be like, all right, Farron, like we know you're not him, but like pretend to be like Kawhi Leonard for a couple minutes on defense or something like, and you're not going to get like a hundred percent of that from him, but you'll at least get a little bit of like, of like, a like, <laughs> like the pink copy. If you, if you got like a receipt, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, uh, the carbon copy that comes from it. Uh, you know, it's not going to quite be the same thing, a little faded, but you know, you can get the idea of like a long rangey defender in practice. Whereas McKay Luke, if you just need to have a shooter in practice, you've already got a bunch of those guys already on the team. Uh, that can shoot the ball like crazy. So, yeah, I, I, more I talk about it, the more I think I think Hunt's the play to me. Mikhailuk is fine, and I, I think he's a good shooter, but I just don't think he offers like anything else, and he has very little untapped potential to me at this point.
0: Yeah, he he's like look he's he's like a pretty good athlete around the rim. The issue is he's just not, not really a great handle. He's if, if Fournier specifically got hurt, but even. Even then, like you, you would just—I would say, like you you throw quickly at the two a little bit more. Like I I just can't really—I think Hunt is just more unique on this Knicks roster than Mikayla is, and and it's as simple as that. So, on that note, we can uh, wrap up this edition of Locked On Knicks. Stay tuned. The rest of the week, uh, we're going to have some more of those uh, team previews bouncing around, uh, potentially uh, if everything goes well with with some hosts of the Sixers podcast here and uh, the Hornets. Podcast here, maybe maybe we'll get in a little little Julius Randall trade talk out. We can, I think, if we make a compelling enough case, that, the the hordes of executives in MSG who well, certainly listen to this podcast, uh, maybe, maybe they'll be swayed.
1: <laughs> Perhaps I guess we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, maybe if Tibbs listens and has enough room to throw shade at people, then maybe the front office is listening too. I was going to say never, now that now that Berman's gone, he need he needs some content. Who, who, who's to say it's not us? He he did speculate. That- Berman might pull a Brady and still come back. So I guess we can always hold out hope for that, too. That was the one comment that did make me smile from Tibbs today. I forgot to bring it up amongst all the crap. But anyway, (laughs) I think we can safely sign off. Uh, So thank you all for listening to Locked on Knicks. We'll be back, as we said, with some new, fresh crossovers, uh, continuing to preview the Atlantic Division, plus maybe finding a Julius Randle trade suitor. It's still not too late. Uh, So we'll talk about all that, plus more player previews coming up plenty of other good stuff well in like three days time we'll be able to ask for more mailbag questions leading into the season as well uh once we get into october so keep yours out and your eyes out for that as well but till next time thank you all for listening we will talk to you guys all soon peace out